The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off! Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. Hey, thanks so much for joining us once again. Appreciate you turning into Winning Ponies. I think you're going to enjoy tonight's show. One of the busiest guys in the business. What James Brown was to entertainment, Steve Bick is to horse racing. Of course, he has his daily radio show at the races with Steve Bick. and airs Monday to Friday from 9 a.m. to noon. I mean, I know what goes into just putting in an hour-long show. I can't imagine three hours, five days a week, and then he heads out to the races on the weekend and garners new stories, makes new friends, gets new guests. Just does an outstanding job. But he also operates his own website. He makes selections. Uh, He runs a racing partnership. Sometimes you'll see him on the Capital OTB show, Loose on the Lead with Seth Merrow. Uh, He does participate in fan education through night school uh we've had several guests from night school on over the years so uh steve a guy full of information and i want the information now he manages to be all the different places he is and still get five shows done a week and then uh no stranger to us here it the managing editor of horse racing nation Brian Zipsy, you've heard him on the show before. Very passionate, good handicapper, and uh, a good writer too. So we're going to get his read on several of the uh, the bigger races this week. Of course, the biggest that will have an influence on potentially the Kentucky Derby will be a little race called the Rebel. And what a wide open field! Of course, uh, Bob Baffert, no stranger to the Rebel, he's in here with American Anthem, a horse who won first time out as the favorite and was just nipped by Gormley by a head in his first distance race. It was a mile in the slop and the grade three sham. And what's interesting is you'll see as we handicap uh, later in the show that uh, Mike Smith has given up a couple really nice mounts on the West Coast to uh hook up with American Anthem. Of course, uh, Mike Smith was aboard the ill-fated Mastery, though uh, we'll get into his condition a little bit later here in the show. So he's still shopping around for his derby horse, and this son of Bodie Meister, who of course was trained by Bob Baffert, uh, could be the one, but American Anthem is not a standout in here at all. Guess who else is going to be back in the saddle? That's right. Gary Stevens is back competing, and he's going to be Riding for Hall of Famer Jack Van Berg aboard Appalachian Gem. And also Victor Espinoza 
shopping around for his derby mount. He's sticking with Royal Moe, a son of Uncle Moe, that he has ridden in all four starts, never worse than second, has two wins, including the Robert B. Lewis in his last start, going long, wire to wire, and cleared the field. So he's shopping around for Royal Moe. And let's not forget, uncontested. You recall uh, several weeks ago, we had Wayne Catalano on just prior to the Southwest. The horse was going great. And he was going great in the Southwest till he turned for home and just kind of uh, seemed to uh, peter out, faded back to sixth. Um, most of what you read about uh, Catalano after that race was he just wasn't too concerned. Um, he... Check the horse out, says the horse is perfectly fine. And man, if you look at his last two works at Oak Lawn Park, May 2nd, best of 32, going a minute flat, five furlongs, and then comes back and really tightens it up. 58 and four over the Oak Lawn Strip. Five furlongs, the best of 39 that day. So uncontested is in there. And then you got Steve Asmussen, the horse that ran second in the Lecompte and the Risen Star, untrapped. So it'll be very interesting to see uh, uh, who uh, who Brian likes uh, in that race. We're also going to look at the grade two Azari, the uh, quarter million dollar Essex Handicap, and then out at Santa Anita, the grade one Santa margarita so that'll be brian zipsy handicapping with us later in the show and remember best handicapping tool in the world out there is your easy win forms let's take a look at a couple of the hits we had again uh, tampa bay's been betty betty good to us uh, march 10th the one dollar super five key paid one thousand seven hundred and ninety six a little farther down in Florida, Gulfstream Park on the same day, a 50-cent pick five paid over $2,000. And uh, some nice hits at Turf Paradise, a $1 pick six that paid $2,100. And the biggest one of the week at Turf Paradise it was a $1 super Nine thousand one hundred seventy-five. Those are your easy win forms. So again, we're going to have some uh, good racing across the country. Uh, Oaklawn Park, I think, is going to get most of the action this week. So you're going to want to keep an eye out there uh, with the Rebel, the Azari, and the Essex. Uh, Great racing at Gulfstream Park with the inside information for four-year-olds. Uh, Laurel's going to have uh, several. Uh, uh, stakes races and also out at Santa Anita is the Irish O'Brien well this is something that's relatively fresh news to me and that's California Chrome is going to shuttle to Chile now we already announced that uh, American Pharaoh will be a uh, shuttling to Australia but the two-time horse of the year California Chrome shuttling to Osama Abu Ghazel's Sumia Stud near Santiago Chile for the next three seasons, according to an announcement from Taylor Made Farm. Uh, they say that uh, California Chrome has generated a lot of interest from the Southern Hemisphere, so they agreed to explore the option of shuttling. And this, of course, is uh, talking to Duncan Taylor, the president and chief executive officer of Taylor Made. So they say the deal was brokered by Chili Sullivan Bloodstock in conjunction with Taylor Made. So uh, 
according uh, to Duncan Taylor, he says that he thinks Chile has become the center of thoroughbred breeding in South America. Uh, there have been four to five billionaires who own the best mares and will breed a lot of mares to him. This business is a lot more global than it used to be, and we believe this deal gives the horse the best chance to hit. Now, what I like to see about this deal is that tailor-made personnel will accompany California Chrome during his time at Sumia Stud, and protocols have been established by Rudin Riddle's Dr. Charlie Scroggin and Dr. Rolf Emerson and the two on-location vets at Sumia Stud. So they're going to be looking out for him. Again, we had the discussion uh, about what's happening with the breed and some of these horses covering over 150 mares uh, during the North American season. And then going to the Southern Hemisphere, I just pray we don't wear them out as a young age. We get to see them live long and have plenty of babies. Of course, uh, California Chrome, you got to admit, is going to be sought after. The richest racehorse based in North America won 10 graded or group races, seven of them graded or group one with earnings of 14.7 million dollars. Well, if you watch the San Felipe Perhaps you were thinking that you uh, saw your your derby favorite last week in mastery, the way he just dominated the race. Well, shortly after, if you were listening to do the race, you heard that mastery was pulled up and Mike Smith dismounted. And they say that Mike's uh, quick thinking may have very much uh, helped save the horse. So, uh he he was the undefeated going into that race, a son of Candy Ride. That was the horse that uh, uh, Mike Smith uh, may have been riding in the first Saturday of May, uh, but won't right now and trying to uh, stay on top of uh, the injury and uh, how he's being treated. And they're saying that uh, he's recovering after successful surgery uh, to report a condylar fracture. Uh, he got it to, to his left front leg. And uh, as they say in the story, he benefited from the quick actions of Hall of Fame jockey Mike Smith. So uh, whether or not he'll make it back to the races uh, is in is in doubt. We don't know. They do say the surgery went well. He's looking good. And uh, he's going to remain with the trainer to recover. So uh, they say that... Uh, Condylar fractures aren't that uncommon, and it is an injury they can come back from. But once again, I'm sure that he'll have to be 100% before he comes back, uh, being a multiple graded stakes winner and um, retire, if he does retire, undefeated. And of course, the candy ride line is very, very hot right now. All right, uh, let's get to some uh, Good news headlines. Uh, Champion Classic Empire is back on the work tab. Uh, the son of Pioneer of the Nile ran four furlongs in 48.4, the fastest of 27. So uh, we'll just uh, throw out that holy bull and hope that he's back. Of course, he was last year's two-year-old champion. Looks like next time we see him is going to be in the Bluegrass Stakes. Also, unbeaten McCracken. He's returned to the work tab. Happy to hear that for trainer Ian Wilkes and our friend uh, Brian Hernandez. So uh, he was going to go in the Tampa Bay Derby, but scrapped that idea. And uh, he may meet some tough competition in the Bluegrass Stakes. Looks like uh, Ian Wilkes is pointing him there. Of course, he stables there quite a bit. And Gervin uh, turned in his first win uh, since his victory 
in the risen star. So it's good to see uh, these three-year-olds bouncing back. It's going to be a wide, wide open season. I got a feeling there's really no standout now with Mastery on the sideline, of course, with McCracken having a slight setback. All right, let's take a quick look at last week's action before we get Steve Bick on. Uh, At Tampa Bay Downs, most impressive Taprit. That's right, a $1.2 million son of Tappet, trained by Todd Pletcher, just devastated the field uh, at, at Tampa Bay Downs in the Tampa Bay Derby, setting a new track record, 142.36. Went off the even money favorite, just exploded around the term. And uh, so Taprit, Keep an eye out for this one. He's on the rise, coming out of the Pletcher barn. Second was State of Honor. He enters the top 10 on Derby points. And a third is Wild Shot. Uh, Then we did go out to, uh, uh, again, Santa Anita for the San Felipe. We already described Mastery's uh, dominant performance. In the second spot was Iliad. And third, down on the rail at 60-1, to was Term of Art. Then the Honeybee Stakes out at Oaklawn. It was it tis well. Jerry Hollendorfer's always got something up his sleeve and in his barn, and it tis well stretched out from seven furlongs to a mile and a sixteenth and got the job done and got plenty of points to get in the gate for the Kentucky Oaks. Of course, he may have more than one in the gate that day. Second spot was Benner Island. Third was the two Elate, who was the morning line favorite out of the Billy Mott barn. And uh, then in the Triple Bend, Grade one race. It was Denman's call. 16 to 1 made a bold move on the inside and got the jump on Masochistic, who, of course, you know, uh, was second in the Breeders' Cup sprint, but had to give up the money for that one. And the last race that we did handicap was the grade one Frankie Kilroy Mile. And it was Bal Abali, a Brazilian bred who's now owned by Calumet Farm, trained by Richard Mandela. Up by a head. An exciting race in the second spot was what a view. All right, that's a look at the national news and last week's races that we handicapped. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, we're going to talk with the busiest man in the racing business, Steve Vick. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com The home of the easy win form The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses At most American and Canadian tracks Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races Don't worry, let WinningPonies.com make some money for you If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you VoiceAmerica.tv is online now The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in your brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. 
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me, the man behind at the races with Steve Bick. You can get him from 9 to noon Eastern time on Sirius XM Radio. I almost feel guilty having him on uh, because the last thing you probably want to do is time off is talk to somebody on the radio. But I figure this is something he can do in his sleep because he probably does do half of it in his sleep with all the things that he has on his plate. I don't know when this guy naps. He must be like Einstein and gets like two hours sleep a night. Steve, welcome to the show. John, uh, glad to be here. I appreciate you having me on. All right. Well, you know, uh, it's good to have you on the other side of an interview for for a change. Uh, You just do a spectacular job. Uh, Everybody in the industry respects you so much. But what what I like to know about all my guests, and I'm sure my listeners do too, is, okay, what was it that first got that hook in you that lured you into the game of horse racing? Racing was always a a sport and a spectacle that I, I had an interest in. And it, my grandfather, among all the other sports activities that, uh, that he and I and my father, we would all engage in, my grandfather liked the racetrack very much and had a ton of friends at the track, particularly at Aqueduct in Belmont, and he would take me. And I must have been first time, I had to be about 10 or 11. And, yeah, we'd go to a lot of ball games as well, a lot of Jets games and, and Mets games. But, you know, the track, there was a seed planted at that point. And then, you know, years later, uh, when I, particularly when I got out of college and I had a friend that started to go regularly, uh, I would team up with him. We'd come to Saratoga on weekends. He and a, uh, and a roommate of his, they would have a Preakness party. He started going to that every year and literally was somebody that started going regularly uh, to the infield and kind of grew out of the infield, which is one of the reasons I always, uh, I always say that you know, the people that think that the Preakness infield is a waste of time and, and nothing uh, good comes out of it uh, and no long-term players come out of it, uh, I don't. I don't believe that for a minute because uh, I myself came out of it, and you know, from there, I, I just was always playing and doing when I could. A lot of Triple Crown races, and uh, then when I had the occasion to actually move to the Saratoga area after living in Canada for ten years, it gave me the opportunity to kind of immerse myself much more actively in the game and my own personal, you know, career interests. Uh, kind of dovetailed into it, and uh, things just grew from there. It's it, it was kind of an organic story, really, because I, I I don't think I could have duplicated it if I if I had tried. I mean, in terms of getting on the radio and and ultimately you know, having the show with my name on it, it, it that was a lot of that was happenstance. But uh, my interest in the game is very typical, I think, of so many people that start out and enjoy the atmosphere, find it engaging, uh, and then as 
my ability to spend money against the game and, and invest uh, in terms of trial and error and leisure time and uh, expendable income, that same learning curve that takes people from, you know, partying at the track in their 20s into their 30s and taking it seriously into their 30s and 40s, you know, and then being a serious player, that, that learning curve and experience curve is pretty much what happened to me. And then when you fold in what I had the opportunity to do on the radio, uh, it all kind of came together. Well, you, you, your enthusiasm is infectious. Well, anybody that, that had the storyline that you have, and uh, you, you're not far from mine, along the way, uh, you, you met interesting characters. As a matter of fact, I knew little Andy when he was little Andy, running around hmm. the paddock at Saratoga with a derby <laughs> on, selling overnights to people for about 25 cents. So, uh, you, you know, uh, th- th- there was uh, at, at, at River Downs, I remember there's a guy called Rat Eye Eddie, and you just prayed that you never locked eyes with Rat Eye Eddie, because if you did, you know, he had that one thing that went the other way. Uh, forget <laughs> it. Don't buy a ticket. Don't open your form. Your day was cursed if you ran into Rat Eye Eddie. Uh, can, can you tell me some of the famous uh, or, or some of your more interesting characters that maybe you've run across in racing? There's everywhere you go. I mean, in some in some cases, there's people probably that you'd never really even know their name per se. Uh, and I can say that when I first started, the first racetrack I got to go to on a regular basis was actually Monmouth. I was living in Brielle. Uh, for a summer, and got to go to Monmouth three, four, five days a week. Uh, and then uh, later on, when I was close to Saratoga, obviously, and when I lived in Montreal going going up to uh, Hippo uh, Blue Bonnets, it, you know, there's people that you just see and you rub elbows with. It, it really wasn't until I started working at Saratoga and it, being involved, I had the, the Carolina barbecue stand. When I had the chance to really be on the track, and that's when you start to, you know, really latch on. And I, <laughs> the first one actually that comes to mind is, is Chowderman. And <laughs> for those that know Saratoga from the past 25 years or more even, Chowderman was the, the Harry M. Stevens chef that ran the soup kitchen and, and made the famous Manhattan clam chowder and then all the, the daily specials. But the, the, the main soup was uh, the Manhattan clam chowder. And one, there was one year where, uh, where center plate wasn't going to have chowder man uh, come up to Saratoga for the summer. And nobody else in the kitchen knew how to make the chowder. And, and even though they had the written recipe, it, it didn't, it just didn't translate. And so they had to bring chowder man who uh, was uh, from Jamaica and was an absolutely <laughs> wonderful guy. He would, he would bring everybody, all of us at the barbecue, he'd bring us a big vat of soup of the day, and, and yeah, I'd give him uh, lunch. Uh, you know, typically, he liked, the, uh, he liked the, I think the, I want to say the pork. I think he liked our pork sandwich. And uh, his real name was Steve, but everybody called him Chowder Man. And in fact, Mitch Levitis, who did a lot of the video work uh, and production work at Naira? Mitch started a, a a TV shtick that people might remember called Ask Chowder Man, and uh, <laughs> he would get these crazy questions, and Chowder Man would give these uh, you know sort of the goofball answers, and it was it was very funny. But he was 
and he's a guy. I mean, there's so many hustlers and and, and, and guys around the racetrack. Uh, but my man Chuck Simon, uh, the trainer, Chuck. Uh, we had a mutual friend, and, and early on in the meet at Saratoga a few years ago, uh, he he comes up to Chuck, and Chuck reaches in his pocket and gives him fifty bucks, and and he said, "What's this for?" And he said, this is so you don't hit me up at any point during the meet. And <laughs> took, care of, took care of everything in one fell swoop. I mean, you, you, you just love it. I mean, that's what, you know, that, that, those kinds of people, whether they're people that work on the track, whether they're visitors. When you work at Saratoga, you see some of the same people that come up for, let's say, a week or a weekend at a time. And you see the same people year after year. Uh, and it, you know, the, the track has got a conviviality that is really like no place else. And, and I suppose sports fans that have season tickets, you know, in your section, you've got friends and so forth. But uh, the racetrack, because of the money involved and the betting and the ups and downs, it, it provides a, an atmosphere that just, just is really second to none. Absolutely. Well, uh, you know, and I won't even go into my time down at the fairgrounds in New Orleans because we it's only an hour long show. So I'm going to leave that that subject on the table if you want to see characters. But, uh, you oh, know, sure. uh, there, there's something else you surround yourself with, and that's the uh, the, the, the spontaneity of, of live radio. And I was just wondering, uh, do you have any uh, favorite stories, something that maybe call you off the ground uh, guard or something that was unexpected that <laughs> well uh, you're going to put me you're going to paint me right into a corner where uh, I mean one of the one of the shows absolutely uh, most noted or most frequently discussed moments was was Kent DeSormo uh, after the patio Prado Derby and and he was on vacation uh, for a few days down in, in Bermuda and I, we used to be an afternoon show and it was it was five o'clock in the afternoon and and uh, so uh, Kent's appearance that's a a, a moment that uh, seems to live on forever uh, absolutely and you know, there were there were some great particularly particularly with some people that are now gone uh, John Nehru it, it was an incredible privilege for me to be able to bring a modern generation of race fans, John Nehru's voice and his insights. And there were so many funny things that John said just because of, of you know, his, his experience. And we were talking, I remember when Naira was experimenting with the holding barn. You know, they had the, the barn where you'd have to come for four hours ahead of your race. And I asked John, they were, I said, John, is this something that could really deter anybody from, you know, from trying to you know, do anything to influence performance? And he said in his little, you know, that, that, that punchy voice of his, he said, it won't work. I said, well, what do you mean? How do you know? He says, it's been tried. We tried it at Bowie back in 1936. <laughs> You know, how, how are you going to answer that? And, and, and he also, when I asked him to compare, I asked him to compare Zenyatta and, uh, uh, and Rachel Alexandra to any, you know, older time great mares and fillies. 
and I brought up the name Gallaret, who's a personal favorite from, from the history books. And yeah, he saw Gallaret quite a bit. And uh, John said, well, Rachel's she's a lot like Gallaret. Uh, and then he, particular, then he used, <laughs> he, he proceeded to call Zenyatta very feminine, and he compared Gallaret and Rachel Alexandra to much more, uh, much more masculine female athletes. Except that he used a term that uh, that that isn't very socially acceptable. And it's, <laughs> and it's, you know, it's it's those gut level, it's those you know, those, those real honest gut level kinds of of answers and responses. In some cases. Yeah, not necessarily politically correct uh, per se, but those those were those were winning moments. Uh, you know, the, the regular business I have with I just had one with Leon Blushowitz this past week. I mean, Blue wins the Tom Fool, and I, I got him going by saying, "Well, Blue, you're one of the few people uh, that can that can train a winner of the Tom Fool who actually might have bet on Tom Fool," and he proceeded <laughs> to say how he bet against. Um, pool every chance he had. <laughs> <laughs> well, Stephen, we're winding down here, but I, I do want to ask you. You know, uh, as one that's that's in the field, it's you know we talked about the spontaneity of live radio. Um, th- there's a certain responsibility for for show prep, but there's also you need to leave that door open for spontaneity. There's certain guests that'll say, "Well, John, what exactly are we going to talk about?" And I say. Well, I don't exactly want to talk about anything because I feel like if you give them a list of the questions you're going to ask, they're prepared answers. And also, I like the way that you engage in conversation that one thing may lead to another, may lead to another that you had never even planned. Well, there's there's a couple of different kinds of conversations given what we've got in terms of the the way the show unfolds five days a week. And there is a bit of a formulaic Approach. I mean, Monday and into Tuesday is generally recapping of the weekend, and so there'll be a lot of, uh, lot of trainers, there'll be a lot of owners, uh, perhaps a breeder. Uh, if if the topic, uh, you know, if it if if there's a breeder tie-in uh, that I can, yeah, that I can make work, uh, then we get into a lot of the regular conversations of the week, and I will uh, then reach into the headlines. Uh, for instance, today. We had uh, the representative uh, from the Kentucky legislature, Senator Robin Webb. She helped uh, shepherd this uh, bill through the Kentucky legislature. Right. It's going to change the designation of horses uh, to livestock. It's a very, I mean, it seems mundane and, and, and it seems like it's, it's something that wouldn't be of interest, but it's of vital importance to the breeders and, and to everybody on the farms in Kentucky. It, it's going to mean a lot of, of money in, uh, that stays in their pockets, things like sales tax, uh, advantages that other oh, yeah. industries, yeah, other farming industries have had over the horse industry. So, you know, we have a conversation with her, and she talked about, you know, the Kentucky Equine uh, Education Project. I don't, even a conversation like that, I prefer to just kind of wing it, and it, very rarely do I have any pre-interviews. It, it, I ask questions on all of these areas. You know, we had the sale recap with Steve Chirac from TDN today. I, I basically am approaching every visit as, as if I was a listener, and I'm trying to ask the question that comes to mind that I think, you know, somebody listening 
is curious about. And that's how I approach every topic and every guest. Well, Steve, uh, the, my producer's uh, pointing a finger at me. I won't tell you which one. Uh, anyhow, I, I just, uh, you know, I, I think at the, you know, Steve Hanskin's uh, article, I uh, uh, implore people to go back and, and read it, What Makes Bick Tick. But uh, in closing out, he calls you the Paul Harvey of thoroughbred racing, and I wish <laughs> you a good day. I, uh, John, you do a great job yourself, and I am very, very appreciative of uh, the interest and, and reaching out uh, at any time at all. And best wishes. You know I will. I got your number. All right. Well, we'll be talking with Steve. We're going to take a, a, a quick break here, and we come back. Brian Zipsy's going to be on with us. You're listening to Winning Ponies. <laughs> The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com And they're off! What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with WinningPonies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let WinningPonies.com make some money for you. Follow the Voice America Talk Radio Network on Twitter. We're at Voice America TRN. You'll get the latest fix on what's happening with our shows, this week's featured guests, and general happenings that you should know about at the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Now you don't have to miss anything when you're away from your home or office. Just go to twitter.com forward slash Voice America TRN or follow along with us at Voice America TRN, the Voice America Talk Radio Network. We're on the cutting edge of social media. Can you keep up? The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with us, no stranger to winning ponies, the editor of Horse Racing Nation, Brian Zipsy, is with us. Uh, he puts out his daily column, Zipsy at the Track, or Zat for short, and uh, it's uh, it's quite a cacophony of uh, information about what's happening on a national racing scene, looking back and reviewing the week, and then looking forward to some of the bigger races that are going to be contested over uh, the weekend. Brian, welcome back to the show. John, how are you? It's always good to be here. I'm. Uh, I think. Uh, I think we were uh, hearing that uh, Steve uh, and yourself are going to be at the uh, spiral next week. So I, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you there. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. I had uh, um, Mike Battaglia on uh, last week. Of course, his uh, his father's race, the John Battaglia Memorial, was. Uh, run and won impressively by a guy that's no stranger to the northern Kentucky area, and that's uh, Kenny McPeak. 
guy that won his first race, like Steve Cawthon, at River Downs. And, uh, you know, Kenny, you just never know when he's going to jump up with a big horse. You know, we were talking off the air a little bit about Ohio breads. Uh, I don't know if you know or not, but he trained the greatest Ohio bred ever, horse by the name of Harlan's Holiday. Harlan's Holiday was a good one. Uh, of course, we, we lost Harlan's Holiday a few years ago, but uh, I still look for Harlan's Holiday blood, John, because when I see a Harlan's Holiday running, I know it can sprint, I know it can go long, I know it can run on dirt, and I know it can run on turf. Really nice horse, and uh, yeah, Kenny McBeak uh, basically picks out all his own horses, and uh, he, you're right, he does come up with a lot of good ones. You know, uh, yeah, we talked about the, the the passing of Harlan's Holiday, another great horse that I got to see win his first stakes race, like Harlan's Holiday, was uh, a horse uh, by the name of Spendabuck, and, uh, you know, Spendabuck at the time was was shuttling back and forth and I, maybe it's just me but I, I have a concern i just read today's headlines that uh now california chrome is, is going to be shuttling to south america and then last week they announced that american pharaoh was going to be shuttling to australia uh, do you think it's too much of a good thing yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, for a lot of reasons too. I, I, I think we're talking about the breed here, John. I, I wonder, you know, we're we're uh, we're limiting the, the the breed a little bit by having so many horses out of the same sire. Whether we're talking about North America or South America or Australia, I think you know, in, in America, for instance, we have the best sires in the in in the country. You know, not that long ago, twenty five, thirty years ago, you know, Secretary. But, what did he, when he had his uh, gigantic syndication back in the day, what did he see? About 30 mares. Now we're talking about 200, and then they're going to shuttle somewhere else. I, I do think it's too much. I think it's wear and tear on the horse. Uh, coincidentally, I was at Gainesway Farm today to see some of their wonderful stallions and oh, had yeah. a really nice time out there. They don't, uh, I brought up uh, California Chrome, the, the, uh, the guy there I was uh, uh, with uh, was was awesome, uh, uh, Ian Ian Tapp, and uh, he hadn't heard about California Chrome going to Chile yet, and he, he was a little surprised, uh, as I think we all were uh, so quickly, especially after uh, California Chrome's uh, stud career just starting. Uh, yeah, it's tough, and, and I asked him if if they limit uh, uh, the mares and how they taper it down as they get a little older, and he said, yeah, we always. We always think it's best to limit to, to, to some extent. Of course, Topic's the best sire in the country, and uh, he was seeing well over 100 mares, but they're, they're starting to taper him down even, uh, you know, 300,000 a shot. I guess you can do that, <laughs> but, uh, you know, they, 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 see, uh, they see benefit in, uh, in being a little bit selective and, and, and not, uh, not wearing Topic out, so to speak. You know, maybe I'm a traditionalist, but uh, as I recall, back in the day, it pretty much the benchmark was 40 mares, and I, and right. I think what that did was it it definitely set a determined value on your stud. It certainly didn't wear, give him wear and tear, and I also, especially in this day where they're just throwing money at you, who knows if you were only breeding to 40 mares, what you might potentially get for a stud fee. Uh, I don't know that it would balance out 150 mares at 300,000, but really, if, if you knew that there was only going to be 40, 
my God, you'd have nothing but graded stakes winners and, and graded stakes producers, grade ones, uh, for all the horses that we just addressed. And we can bring up, uh, you know, you know, Uncle Mo and, and and a few of the other, you know, of course, Chappet. Uh, you mentioned Harlan's Holiday. Um, while he always stood at a very modest fee, which Adrian Farms always had a great reputation for uh, standing modest horses and hitting home runs. Um, and I do love seeing the sons of Harlan Holiday, like Into Mischief, uh, being so successful. But I just hope we're not watering down the breed, and I hope that we don't age these horses earlier than they have to. I hope I'm wrong because, let's face it, both American Pharaoh and um, California Chrome couldn't be in better professional hands. What I really liked reading today about California Chrome is the tailors are sending their own team down to Chile to be with him. Well, that's got to be a good thing, yeah. And, and we can talk about how we don't like it at all, of course, uh, it is a business we're talking about, and, and they are uh, collecting the money that they think uh, they think they should collect. Um, and part of it, you know, we're talking about uh, maybe 40 mares back in the day, and now, now you know, there, there are several stallions out there that, that do see 200 or more mares. Uh, part of it is if they're increasing their odds, they think. You know, there, there are enough good mares. There are enough mares out there that, that can hit a home run if they go to a nice sire. Uh, where if they have uh, 200 chances versus 50 chances, they just increase their odds a whole lot of getting a certain number of graded stakes winners and, and that one really big home run that everybody wants to hit and wins the Kentucky Derby or, or, or even the Triple Crown, as we saw a couple years ago. Well, I, I think it's interesting, though, is uh, obviously the competition for mares is, is fierce right now. It's, it's kind of, at least it's leveled out. It's not going into the negative anymore of amount of brood mares. It seems like it's actually back to maybe a 2% increase nationally. But all of a sudden, you, you think about that, somebody that's saying, my God, I can't afford $125,000, uh, that all of a sudden, perhaps their eyes turn to a flatter or a horse that's really caught my eye this year, <laughs> obviously it worked itself out, dialed in. You know, all of a sudden, and because of the great promotion that Darby Dan does, and they're very selective, um, to take a horse that stood last year for 15000 and make him the leading juvenile sire over these other horses we're talking about, and to now have two horses that are solid contenders for the Kentucky Derby, I think it's just great news that, you know, I think if you're a mare owner, you better shop around unless you've got that 150000 in your pocket, and there's some really nice studs out there in the fifteen dollars to $30,000 range. Oh yeah, we always have that, and even today at Gamesway, we're we're talking about some of the sires they have there that you know they're really excited about. And uh, when we go to the Derby, I mean, how many how many horses there can be by Tappet or Uncle Mo? Well, sometimes you do see four or five of those in the Derby, but yeah, that's what that's what horse racing is all about, right? Hitting a home run and and and, and cashing in on something where you, you didn't have to. To put down two million dollars at the uh, at the Keeneland sale, or or even a two hundred thousand dollars stud fee, because it happens all the time. I guess that's like uh, anything in the world. You, you know, you you put uh, you put a girl and a guy together. You never know what great uh, thing you're going to get, and that's certainly true of horses. I mean, successful appeal comes off uh, comes to my mind right away, John. It's just a 
what a wonderful sire he's been for years, and, and he's never had that big stud see that a lot of these uh, a lot of these stallions have today. Well, um, let's uh, let's reflect on last week. I want to hit you with uh, with, with two stories. Uh, first, one I know that you, you've addressed on your own uh, website. It's uh, just a shame that we're not going to see mastery move forward. A happy they saved him. B, as you know, a horse of his value who's undefeated, a multiple graded stakes winner, unless he's absolutely 100%, the, the risk is not worth the reward to, to put him back in training. Yeah, Mastery, uh, the good news really, and, and I think we saw this right away, you know, first off, kudos to Mike Smith. Uh, he got off the horse so quickly. Uh, he, he, he couldn't have looked better going down the stretch, right? I mean, he's just cruising to victory over good horses his first race of the year. He's four for four. He's out of a sire, one of the top sires in the country. We're talking about top sires here, Candy Ride. Candy Ride, of course, was undefeated in, in only six starts, and he unfortunately had to retire. So mastery here he is four for four. Uh, instantly, he became the Kentucky Derby favorite with every stride down the stretch. It was clear for those of us who follow the Kentucky Derby closely that we had a new Kentucky Derby favorite. Mastery was always near the top of the list from his two-year-old exploits, but the way he was winning that race was really special. And, uh, of course, Bob Baffert, uh, who knows better than anybody uh, how, to, how to bring a horse to win the Derby, uh, is, uh, has been talking this horse up since before he ever raced. And it was just a fantastic performance. He looked so smooth, so easy down the stretch. Smith felt something almost immediately after the wire. He was right. He got off the horse quickly. The horse looked like he was in uh, no distress at all. He walked on to the ambulance. He, he came back to the barn. They, they thought he looked good back at the barn, but Smith was right. X-rays proved that he did have a, a minor fracture. Surgery uh, two days later went very well. So mastery, uh, mastery's back at the barn already. Uh, he won't be in training, like you said. He won't be in training for some time. They will take every precaution and make sure he's uh, really healthy and doing well. But my gut feeling is we will see Mastery race again. But, of course, for for all the fans who point to the Kentucky Derby as, as the one-horse race of the year and the Triple Crown, we unfortunately won't see Mastery. And, you know, John, I had my Derby horse late last year. And he was an all-bow family stable horse, Dale Romans. Not this time. I loved him. I thought he was a surefire mile-and-a-quarter horse. He had a minor injury. They retired him uh, before he turned three, even. And then, uh, and now Mastery. So it's a muddled road we've, we've been on, as we've seen not only not this time Mastery completely leave the road, but then we've seen some of the other top contenders, McCracken and Classic Empire, have their own hiccups and at this point, we we just don't know what to think as we're getting ever closer to the Derby. Honestly, I think the three-year-old filly, Unique Bella, a daughter of Tappet, might be the best three-year-old in the nation of either gender, but it uh, seems very unlikely that they're going to uh, take a shot and get some points in the Santa Anita Derby. She looks like she's Kentucky Oaks bound. So the Kentucky Derby is muddled at this point. 
Well, I hope Unique Bella is the songbird of 2017. We know what a great story that was. Well, let me lead you up to a, a race that whoever wins this, as long as they come out of the race sound and train well up to the first Saturday in May, should have a berth in the starting gate at the Derby, and that is the Grade 2 Rebel Stakes at Oaklawn Park. And let me tell you, as much talent as there is in here, you cannot put a ring around anybody. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, I had Wayne Catalano on the show, and he just scratched his head all week after that Southwest, because all he can tell you is, man, that horse has had some wake-up calls in his last two works, a best of 39 and 58 and 4 uh, back here just eight days ago. And prior to that was the best at 5 and a minute flat, best of 32. Um, I guess you just got to put a line through the Southwest. But moving forward, you got Steve Asmussen with a grandson of Tappet, who's making its Oaklawn debut, a second and two uh Races that have become key along the Derby Trail, the Risen Star and the LeCompte, graded races. And then, of course, a, a guy that just loves shipping into Oaklawn and winning races, Bob Baffert uh, with American Anthem. Now, he's had two close races, a neck victory in his maiden, and was just beaten by Gormley in the sham. Gormley, Gormley disappointed a bit last week. Then, how about the return of Gary Stevens? He's going to be on a horse for Hall of Famer Jack Van Berg. And it looks like Victor Espinosa is still shopping for his derby horse, but it sure looks like he's not afraid to lock in to John Sheriff's Royal Mo, uh, a horse that has never been worse than second in his career. I think I've hit the highlights in there. Um, can, of course, uh, you've still got uh, uh, Malagasy, if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, who's an undefeated son of Shackelford with Javier Castellano trained by Todd Pletcher. So, man, how are you looking at the Rebel? Because uh, let me tell you, it's a, it's a race I'm going to watch and not bet. Yeah, well, I, I think it's a good betting race, actually, John. It, it's interesting. I mean, there's no horse in here that you're going to say right now is is a really good uh, a, a derby bet. Uh, but on the other hand, so in other words, every every horse in the race has question marks. And that's interesting, and, and uh, as a better, I think that's very interesting, especially when we consider the pace scenario here. But all the horses in the race, or, or at least eight, nine, ten of them, look like they have the potential to be a Kentucky Derby horse. You just don't know yet. Uh, American Anthem, I think, deserves to be the favorite. Both of his races in California, I say both, he's only had two, but he showed a lot of courage, a lot of heart. He really fought back. Uh, he didn't look like he was going to win his maiden until he really kicked it in late. And then, of course, Gormley uh, basically got him at the head of the stretch, and they, they battled all the way to the wire. So American Anthem, you also have to look at the connections. Uh, Mike Smith, Bob Baffert, uh, he's the son of Bodie Meister, of course, did well coming to Oaklawn Park, Arkansas, on his way as a lightly raced horse to the Triple Crown. So American Anthem deserves to be the favorite. But a lot of horses in here are, are speed types on paper. And American Anthem, the favorite, is another one of those. You mentioned Malagasy, the, uh, the undefeated sprinter for Todd Pletcher, the son of Shackleford. He's speed. And I could rattle off five or six horses uncontested. I agree. The, uh, the Southwest was not the real uncontested. It, it looked like Channing Hill had a lot of horse on the far turn. And then for whatever reason, Probably some sort of breathing problem, uncontested, came up empty in a stretch, working great, as you said, but he's speed. And uh, he's throwing a couple more there. So 
I do think there's a, an interesting uh, case to be made for a lot of horses that like to come off the pace. And uh, I think all of them will have some odds. You did mention Untrapped, uh, not to be confused with Uncontested. Untrapped, Steve Asmussen, he's 8-1 to one on the morning line, and I think, I think that's about right because there are so many horses that are going to get that American Anthem, the legacy for sure, Royal Moe to some extent, and he's also a speedy type. Uh, although he is a uh, big, gorgeous-looking horse who uh, physically looks a little bit like Zenyatta, another sheriff's horse with Victor Espinosa there. But coming off the pace, Untrapped can do it. Uh, there's a long shot in here I like who I think will step forward. I don't know if he's quite good enough, but I'm talking about Silver Dust, who looked really good at Churchill last fall. He's 15-1 to 1 on the morning line. Uh, he, uh, he ran fourth, a well-beaten fourth in his opener, but I expect him to improve, and with this fast pace, you know what uh, pace can do to a race. I, I think there could be a real collapse. There might be one of those speed horses who can stick around, but I think even if it's for the win or, or underneath in the exotics, I think you're going to catch some odds with ralliers. Looking at Lee is another one that should be running late. So uh, I'm going to take a shot in here, both on top and, and just below with some of these come-from-behind types. All right. Well, my producer's telling me we only got about three minutes left, so I'll put your feet to the fire. Uh, the grade two, Azari, short but talented field. Certainly it looks like uh, uh, Terra Promessa is the honest favorite in here. What a horse for course. Has never been defeated at Oak Long. Nine career starts, six wins and a third, and – you know, a son of uh, daughter of Curlin, trained by Steve Asmussen, seems like it checks all the boxes off. Yeah, and I think she's the controlling pace in the race. She's three to five on the morning line. Her and Curlin, her sire, are seven for seven lifetime at Oakland Park. She's the class. She's the speed. Can't try to beat her in there. Nope. Okay, Oakland, it's going to be a good day. The Essex Handicap, ungraded, but a quarter million dollars up for grabs, which will always bring together some interesting horses. Uh, of course, Bob Baffert, man, he's just unbelievable when he ships in from the West Coast uh, to uh, uh, Oakland Park, and it really looks like more spirit is sitting on a big one. This might be another reason my Mike Smith passed on some of the Santa Anita races uh, to come to Oakland. Yeah, you, you you have to you have to think he's the horse to beat more spirit. I will say this: he hasn't won a race in over a year. He has tended to hang in races. This might be his easiest spot in that time frame, but I do think he's beatable. Uh, the horse to beat for sure. Even money probably is what he'll go off at. I'll tell you, the horse on the rail is a bulldog. His name is Shotgun Cowboy. He's got a lot of speed. He didn't quite get it done last year. He won a bunch of races at three. He, he, he just ran second and third a lot last year. But he looks like a new horse this year, early in the year, coming off a big performance, speed on the rail. Shotgun Cowboy is actually my top pick in there. I also think Dazzling Gem would be another horse to play in the exotics. Okay, well, I've only got a minute left, so I'm just going to have you chime in real quick because I think there's another stick out in the grade one Santa Margarita, a horse that's beaten over half the horses in the field with regularity. Val Dori, an Argentinian bred, Rafael Barano picks up the mount because Mike Smith's going to be out of town. Yeah, this is an interesting race from a betting standpoint, too. 
Val Dory, of course, has won four in a row. She's looked great, probably against some weaker competition for the most part, although the horse that she's been beating, I think, has a chance to turn the tables because there's a lot of speed in this race, too. Finest City is a really nice horse. Of course, she won the Eclipse Award, so I think she will uh, take a lot of money, maybe not as uh, bad as much as Valdori, but Finest City should show a lot of speed as well, which Valdori does. Show Steeler has been getting better and better for Art Sherman. Really like the way she's been rallying uh, behind an easy kind of winner in Valdori. Now with a lot of speed to go with Valdori and quality speed in Finest City, Show Stealer, 8-1 to one on the morning line, could be both of the two headliners. All right. Well, uh, Brian Zipsy, thanks so much uh, uh, for joining us uh, here on Winning Ponies. I appreciate it greatly, and I look forward to spending some time with you next week in Florence, Kentucky at the, at the Spiral Stakes. I can't wait, John. Always a pleasure to be on the show. All right, we've been talking with Brian Zipsy, and we've been talking with Steve Bick. I want to thank them both for uh, spending time with us, uh, and I want to thank you for uh, tuning into the show. And if you didn't tune in the show because you're watching some basketball, I can't blame you. But remember, pass along the word, and if you're a regular listener, you already know this show's going to be on podcast by tomorrow. So tune in, pull down your easy win forms, have a fantastic weekend. I hope your brackets are well, and I hope your horses win the photos. I'm John Engelhardt for Winning Ponies. Remember, when you go to the races, bet with your head, not over it. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network.